there has to be some type of diversification plan, whether that is uh, you know, getting into another industry or starting to film other types of events or you know, films and things like this. You have to have some type of idea of what you're gonna be doing after shooting weddings. And maybe you've got an amazing business and you wanna manage it and market it and you can hire shooters and editors and whatever. That's, that's amazing, you should definitely do that and stay in the industry. Um, but there has to be some type of vision for the future. Hey guys, welcome to the Wedding Film School show. Today, my co-host is Bobby Burns. I am Jason McCutcheon. How you doing, Bobby? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Um, how's your How's your week been as like a wedding filmmaker who's currently in hibernation? Yeah. Pretty good, actually. Um, I think we were maybe talking about this a little bit before, but like, I feel like inquiries are for sure up. Like, I'm responding to so many emails, if nothing else, and I've had a handful of meetings in the last, you know, week, two weeks, something like that. I've still got my uh, like live stream yeah. slash client meeting set up, just killing it for me, and had a couple bookings in the last week too. So pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I was. I think we said it on the Facebook group, but you should join the Wedding Film School group. Yes, yes, and, do it. Um, hang out with us. But um, I, Jared said, I think like we had our record booking month in February, and then we broke the record in March. And I don't know if we're on pace to beat it again in April, but but like, it's been crazy. At this point, who cares? Well, it's it's <laughs> Might interesting. Might not be able to. No, that's true. But it's interesting because you look in like. It seems like the industry is in like a weird place because you see some people are like, I'm not getting any inquiries. And other, I wonder if it's yeah. like geographical or how that is. It could be. I know like for us, so I'm in the Midwest, I'm in Minnesota or in Minneapolis. And I know like we've had some, you know, not maybe not the strictest restrictions, but, you know, among that level. Um, and so, you know, people... Even people who rescheduled from last year, everybody rescheduled into the fall just to give themselves as much time as possible. So, like, my wedding season this year is really light in the summer. I have, like, two in May, and then I don't think I have another wedding until um, September, except I just booked one in August. So I think that's the thing, is now people know restrictions are loosening up here, but, you know, do they have enough time to plan a wedding? Here's summer? what I'll, I'll tell everybody is, now is the time to invest in advertising, um, if you are, and this is free, this is not the topic of our show today, but now is the time. We're, like while the iron is hot, you should be advertising um, a little bit. Um, if you're yeah. not getting the bookings and the leads that you want, and you're not established, because people are starting. Like there are people who are going to go. I need to book a wedding last minute, and they're going to need yeah. to find someone quick and find. And 2022. It's going to be it's going to be crazy. It's going yep. to be crazy. Yep. Anyway, today's show is going to be doubly brought to us by No Backlog. Um, we have an awesome promotion for you guys. If you're a first-time customer of No Backlog and you you go ahead and enter our code WFS10 and you can get 10% off your first job, which is really cool. Um, but speaking of No Backlog, we got friend of the channel, moderator, family member at Wedding Film School on the show. We got Jason Batista. How you doing? Good, guys. How you doing? Good. Um, so, how you been? Like, you've been kind of like in a hole the last couple months, just grinding this out. How how has everything been over at wedding? Or sorry, let me say it again. <laughs> you've been really busy last couple months, um, kind of just grinding it out with no backlog. You guys must be really, really experiencing like all these weddings just slamming at once, right over there. 
Yeah, it's been it's been pretty intense. So um, yeah, no backlogs an outsourcing company for wedding professionals, photographers and videographers. And uh, yeah, it's been a crazy 2020 and start to 2021. Um, we just did uh, you know three months worth of sales in one month in March. So that's an indication of how busy everyone is um, in the Australian market, in the US market. We've got customers all over the world. So I think there is a lot of people. Um, busy at the moment and booking a lot of work for 2021. That's nuts. Um, so outsourcing is something we always recommend at Wedding Film School. We love it. But um, in general, I think ultimately there's a there's a time and a place to outsource. We've talked about it. What are, like, not to make it this big commercial, but if somebody's considering outsourcing, why, why, what's the number one reasons why someone should really think about it and take it really seriously if they never have before? Yeah, so I jump on a lot of calls with people um, that have been running a business, their wedding f film business for whether it's a year or, or five years and like the, the reasons are generally different. So, um, but there's a theme to them. So either it's people that have a massive backlog that all of a sudden just crept up on them and they are struggling to keep up. So they've got 10 weddings, they thought they were gonna get it done, but life just got in the way. And so all of a sudden they need some help. So we're there to you know, work with them through that and get them back on track again. Uh, then there's other people that reach out to us that know they've got a busy season coming up. So in a couple of months time, for the next year, for example, they might know that they're flat out and they just don't have the capacity to keep up with that amount of work. So they'll reach out to us and start organizing um, you know, what their workflow will look like for the next, uh, you know, three to 12 months. And so we'll work with them through planning that all out and um, just assign editors on our team to work with that studio and, um, yeah, smash out their, their workflow with them and make sure that we're meeting all their, their style guidelines and everything else that's important to that studio goes into our system. And, um, you know, we work through them in a collaborative relationship with lots of communication. You run no backlog now, but you're not just a, a person who runs an editing company. You are slash were a wedding filmmaker at one point. Am I right? Yeah, so I shot my first wedding when I was uh, 15 years old <laughs> and I'm 34 in a couple of days. So um, I've been doing it a fair while. Uh, but I did other things throughout that time as well. So I went to uni, I had a nine to five job for five years during that period. And um, yeah, I always just loved filming weddings. I loved the, the day itself, the event. Um, and I just knew that I wanted to be involved in that industry for a long time. So, uh, you know, I have been. And uh, at a certain point, I started getting a little bit tired of the editing. Like I, I had a nine to five, I had other interests outside of my career. I'd been doing it for a long time. And I knew that although I loved shooting the day, uh, the editing was starting to grind on me and getting a little bit tedious and I wasn't putting in the effort that I used to put in. Um, so I thought, well, you know, maybe that I can get some help with editing. Uh, and this was like eight years ago now. Um, so I've been a part of No Backlog for six years. I'm one of two directors. There's another Australian director as well. Uh, and we've got a team of uh, 40 editors on staff. So it's been growing steadily over the six years. We've just been slowly um, you know, making new relationships and collaborations with customers from all around the world. And yeah, it's a pretty big operation now. So running that is uh, a full-time job. <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. So, okay, I'm, I'm curious because I know one of the things, you know, I guess we haven't really talked about it that much, uh, Jay, but, you know, I think one of the things that we've talked 
between us, maybe not so much on the show, is like diversification. And I see this as like a really clear cut example of that. Like you, you were a wedding filmmaker, Jason, um, you know, doing it. I, I don't remember the exact, I didn't do the math on the years that you just laid out. But, you know, six years ago, you kind of choose to di diversify a little bit and get into no backlog as a director or as part of that, you know, not just a user. Um, and I think that's something really cool for wedding filmmakers. Like I know I try to diversify outside of weddings, both as a filmmaker and just income streams like beyond that too, um, that aren't even in the like filming world. Can you speak maybe a little bit to like, yeah, so it sounds like six years ago is when you kind of chose to diversify a little bit, but also maybe like what prompted that? Um, I think it's interesting, uh, the, the demographic in our industry. Uh, photographers is a little bit more diverse maybe, but video, there seems to be a pretty specific demographic. So, you know, I put this question to the community. How many wedding videographers do you know that are over 45, 50, you know, over that sort of age range? It is definitely, I don't know why, but it has become, or it is, uh, as an industry, um, you know, sort of a young person's game. Like people get into it, you know, 20, 25, and they might stay in and, you know, uh, be really busy until 35, 45. But after that, it seems like something happens that people leave. It could be called their <laughs> so, knees going out. <laughs> yeah, whether it's health or uh, just having enough of couples or whatever. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, wedding days are crazy intense, right? Especially as filmmakers, I think we have one of the craziest jobs on a wedding day. Definitely. Uh, and your body just wears out, right? So you sort of have to think about diversification of your business. Um, if, you don't, if you're not doing that, you're in serious risk of uh, being stuck in, you know, however many years it is for you. And you just, <clears throat> you don't have the energy to go to weddings and put the effort in that you used to put in. So there has to be some type of diversification plan, whether that is, uh, you know, getting into another industry or starting to film other types of events or, you know, films and things like this. You have to have some type of idea of what you're going to be doing after shooting weddings. And maybe you've got an amazing business and you want to manage it and market it and you can hire shooters and editors and whatever. That's, that's amazing. You should definitely do that and stay in the industry. Um, but there has to be some type of vision for the future. Yeah, I actually yeah. find that really interesting. You know, I know this is probably not really the topic of, of uh, you know, this podcast today, but it is true. I mean, I, or, or I think it's true, and I'd be curious to know your guys' thoughts, but I think most wedding filmmaking businesses are unique, and not every single one, um, but a lot are unique in that there really is no exit plan with them. No. Um, and I think that can leave you pretty vulnerable. And I was going to say, just, in, just to jump on both of your points, a lot of people... Honestly, this might be one of the big reasons why someone wants to look at outsourcing because, like, I think one of the things I see with wedding filmmakers is this solopreneur pride that, like, I do everything. That is what makes it my product is that I do everything. And, you know, we're one of the few industries where the person making it would also be do everything, the marketing, the sales. <laughs> every single aspect of the business that you do. And, and so I think like changing that, I would say depersonalizing your work and your brand so that it's not simply about like in leadership, there's a thing called irreplaceable person syndrome where an organization cannot function without one person in it. And they even have a thing called key man insurance in your insurance 
for your business where it's like the essential person leave, like leaves, you get money because they're so important, you know? And I think a lot of people are their own irre irreplaceable person in their business. There's like, it wouldn't work at all without them. And I think for some people that's okay because you can build up a pile of money, you can build up a reputation, you can build up contacts and you can move away from that wedding brand and do something else. You totally can. But you gotta know, like if you're running your business, like totally solopreneur, no, no plan for a studio, that you need to be building that next thing at the same time. We just did a thing, it hasn't been released yet, but a podcast and we talk about um, long-term planning for a wedding filmmaking business. And the thing we say is do today what you want to happen tomorrow. So invest today in the thing you want to happen tomorrow, whether it be saving money to start a business. I mean, think of it this way. Wedding filmmaking companies are ridiculously profitable. Like the actual cost to run the business versus how much you can make is maybe not as much as photographers who don't, they could buy a camera 10 years ago and shoot a whole career. If you look at the overhead costs of some of the reception venues and ceremony venues, you know, these places have hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in loans for their venues and they might be charging, you know, whatever, 10 to 30 grand for a night. But that's including food and, you know, dozens of staff and there's a lot that goes into their that. Their insurance right? is crazy. Businesses. Yeah. 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 Insurance, all these things, right? We're very lean businesses as these solo entrepreneurs, as you say. Yeah. Yep. We really can. And so I think it's really smart where, A, look for other things you're passionate about. See what you're actually building with your business. If you're building a bunch of contacts, that are, you know, everyone needs video. You're, you're, yeah. you better learn actually how to do production, by the way, because wedding filmmaking is not production. So, <laughs> like, you better understand how to do lighting. You better understand how to quote a commercial job. Like, whatever it is, though, you have to have that plan to build into that next thing. And it doesn't have to be weddings. But I think it's interesting, like, okay, what is next for me? And it's cool that you did that, Jason. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely fascinated into, like, clearly this isn't, like, a hard fork you're doing editing mostly for weddings probably but it's interesting that you were like yeah like was that a hard transition for you as an artist to be like i know or were you just like no nah, i'm over it <laughs> <laughs> look it's always hard for every i think for most filmmakers to let go of some part of what they do right mm. whether it's to have an assistant on the on the day you're sort of over their shoulder a lot until you learn yourself out of that habit um, whether it's outsourcing editing or getting help with your accounting or your marketing, we're all quite protective of our businesses and our art and our craft, right? And that's, and that's fine. But to build and to grow and to lead, you have to sort of train yourself out of those, uh, those ways of thinking, those principles, and um, be willing to try a different way. You know, if you've been in your business a long time, um, maybe there is a different way to make life uh, easier to make your business more profitable to grow it. So there's just all these ways that you can um, enhance and grow what you're already doing without changing the fundamentals. And I think that's uh, should be the goal of most people in the industry. It can be continually looking forward into their business in in a couple of years time. And yeah, as you say, see where they want to be and what am I doing now to get there. I mean, I think Bobby, I'm, I'm curious for both of you guys. Yeah. Um, do you think a person can be exactly where they want to be as a wedding filmmaker and never be willing to outsource anything? I'm not not just editing, forgetting about no backlog, just yeah, in yeah. general, the concept of like 
something has to go has something has to give right i mean is am i wrong yeah there? i mean i think that you can maybe you you can be to where you want to be and be doing everything but that shouldn't be where you want to be like the issue in that scenario is probably where you've set that bar of where you want to be i can speak like very like genuinely to you know jay you mentioned uh, you know somebody who doesn't want to give up stuff and doesn't you know doesn't want to let hold of that creative freedom and What's good about my company is that I am involved in every single aspect. And, you know, I've always been decent as time went on and I needed it about outsourcing things like a CPA and stuff like that. But on the creative side, I was very against it until a couple of years ago. And I had that exact mindset. And that's the mindset that, you know, not everybody, but the majority of our industry has. And, you know, in in finding editors uh, to work with, you know, one of those being No Backlog. No Backlog was somebody that I originally um, started, you know, testing the waters with among uh, somebody local and some other people as well. Like I, like I have just come to that conclusion that I was so wrong and I would like super encourage anybody who is hesitant. Like, yeah, there's going to be some work to get things where you want it to be and to get editors that understand, you know, what your unique fingerprint is on a film. And I still do touch every film. Like I do most of the colors still, um, I'll swap out shots in nearly every edit, but having somebody on board, who's quite frankly just a better editor than me, um, you know, and can do stuff faster and take stuff off my plate and allow me to make more money and do the yeah. stuff that I think I excel at, which is shooting and, you know, client, uh, like relationship and stuff I like mean, that. I mean, you're doing a new venture right now. I don't know if you're talking about it. I think you are cause it's not on social, but like, <laughs> you know, you have a venture you're doing now. You, you couldn't reliably do that if you did everything. Exactly. Like the, if nothing else, and, and honestly, this is what it really started as was like, I just did not, did not have enough time in my life. So even if it doesn't translate to me booking more weddings necessarily, or doing commercial work or opening, like I'm opening this gym and co-working space concept or whatever, like just like being able to have reprieve in my life. And part of that I think comes from like, look, I'm a grinder for sure. And like, I work so hard still, but like, especially in the early years of, of my company. Which is, I, I think, think you, by the way, important. Like, oh yeah, there's no replacing that grind. And so. I think you should do everything at some point to understand so how it works and how it affects your business. But at a certain point, you just get to this point where you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm spending so much time on my business and I also want to like enjoy my life. And that's can, totally okay too. Jason, can I ask you, this is just a question I've had in my mind as with outsourcing and stuff. My personal opinion is that I don't really think you should be outsourcing your videos till you can edit them pretty well yourself. Because I think, like you said, you, that person needs to have some idea of the vision of your company. Um, but the more I think about it, I'm like, I wonder if there's a place for someone who can't edit at all, who just is a great shooter who outsources their video. Do you see any of that? There's a little bit of that. It's rare. Um, they actually are quite, uh, they might have just started in the industry, right? So editing is quite daunting to them. So we have uh, some clients come to us, not have a preference on editing software, not have a preference on style or, you know, technical details of the edit. Or they go and like, make it like sculpting with it. time and they send you that video. <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> they, send, <laughs> they send you some sample that's like, well, is your work gonna look like that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I will say so, one thing, uh, just interject, and you, we can cut this in here wherever you want. I do wanna clarify my statement of that, like, I think most people can be outsourcing, but not everybody. Like, you talk about sculpting with time or something like that, like, there are people who who need to be doing their own edits. I think there is something, and it doesn't have to be editing, but everyone in my, this was my original real point. There's something in your business, if not a many things, that you should be outsourcing. It doesn't mean, yeah. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe editing is your calling card and it's not editing. Yeah, maybe but, you're outsourcing your shooting. Or maybe you're, maybe doing you're both just those outsourcing and you're literally outsourcing everything. All your sales. Yeah. Who knows? Like your branding, your social media, hire a social media company. Who knows? Yep. Like you need, at some point, it's going to be like, these are the two things I make money on. And then these are the five things I do that I'm a freaking liability on that I'm actually costing us money because I'm doing them so mediocre and I'm well, barely getting it done. I think people really need to really, really dig in deep on what sets them apart from their mm. competitors that's and good. a lot of people are going to say, oh, it's my the way I edit or the way I shoot. And, like, there can be a little bit of that. Like, I know when I look at the people that, you know, are in my market or just wedding films in general, like, I use a lot more negative space traditionally. Uh, I use really, really, like, I don't use slow motion, but I use slow intentional movement, like, really slow intentional movement, all done in camera. And, like, all that stuff is really small. And most clients probably aren't even going to realize that. But I think a lot of people aren't honest with what really sets them apart. And, you know, I think, like, for me, a lot of that is, like, my client experience. And it doesn't mean that somebody else can't give a client experience as well. That's great. But I think it's just the relationship that I Nobody build. can do the Bobby Burns client I mean, experience. it's pretty unique. So, <laughs> But I, I guess, honestly, like, jokes aside, what I'm saying is it's probably not that unique. It's just that I connect person to person with that couple. And that's yeah. what is, and that's what they want is they want somebody who's a friend who they're comfortable with and whatever. Like my edits are not that different. My shooting is not that different. Yeah, there's little stuff, but like I think people don't. I think people aren't honest with themselves when they use that as an excuse to not outsource different parts of their, you know, their business. Look, I'm just gonna be completely honest with you. Can we be a little bit transparent here? I'm gonna tell you one of my deepest, darkest secrets. I actually really don't enjoy editing that much. <laughs> if you were to give me the option between shooting and editing, I would pick shooting 11 times out of 10. And if you've been editing and, and doing video production for any length of time, you know that dread in your heart as you know wedding after wedding after wedding keeps on mounting up, piling up on your backlog. It really sucks. I hate it and I'm sure you do too. So what can you do about it? You can of course ignore it, not gonna go away. You can hire a video editor to work on staff. Maybe it costs you 50 to 60 grand plus taxes. Or you can simply reach out to our friends at No Backlog. They make it super easy to knock out edits while you focus on other more important things like growing your business and making more money. And that's what it's all about, right? Save time and money by working with a professional, reliable, and affordable video editing partner. And get your life back today. You can spend more time with your kids, with your spouse, with your important other person, or you can simply just play more video games. I don't care. This is a no judgment zone, man. So make sure you're visiting nobacklog.com and get started today.
There's a misconception that you can't achieve unique results when you're outsourcing an edit. Yeah. And that's like saying every single film in Hollywood, uh, the director should have edited it. So it's just <laughs> like, it's, it's just a weird way of looking at what we do, right? So for sure, as, and as Bobby said, expect to jump in and spend an hour or 20 minutes or whatever, swapping out some shots, enhancing the edit, uh, giving feedback to your editor, going through a couple of rounds of revisions with the editor. Um, we assign the same editor to your studio so they work with you consistently and they do learn and we have good software and systems for understanding your needs. And so there is refinement, right? But if the outsourced editor is any good and worth what you're paying them, they should be getting you to 80 to 90% on every single project consistently. And then you jump in. Uh, and if you've got extremely unique work and a very unique vision for your work generally or for that wedding, then you spend some time and tweak it a little bit and you'll get those unique results. You don't have to do the entire edit to get a unique result. You can step in towards the end and, and do that. Yeah. I think it comes down to thinking of your business like a brand and your job is is to be a brand leader. Your job is to be a as a brand you're 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 a boss. You're like the boss of your brand. Like in in doing everything is not what bosses do. But bosses look over the final product. They 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 make sure it speaks for the brand vision and they create a coherent brand vision. And so the thing I see a lot was people go, that's my style. My style is having no style. Yeah. And I'm like, you probably should get a vision for your brand. Like <laughs> if you it's like if you have a it's in it's like in entrepreneurship, they say what's your elevator pitch? And it means like when you get in an elevator with somebody in by the time I go from the first floor to the 10th floor, I should be able to tell you what I'm about. And and this is why I think you need to work on your own films for a period of time until you can actually say, this is what I make. Yeah. And this is what I am. And this is what my brand is. At that point, it shouldn't matter who does it because you're the one who made the brand and you should be able to say to that person, no, that's not us. Yeah. If you don't like it, fire them, whatever. There's a lot of people out there, but like at the end of the day, like your brand should have a strong enough vision that it can be translated to anyone. And if it can't be, like if McDonald's or Mercedes-Benz or any of these brands that we're all familiar with couldn't be talked about by anyone but the owner, it would make no money. And I think that's what, you know, that kind of goes hand in hand with really, like I was saying, digging in deep and finding what sets you apart. But not only what sets you apart, but what is your, like what is that fingerprint on your films? Like yeah. what what is maybe not unique to your experience or your films in like a selling aspect, but like why can, can somebody look at five of, uh, can somebody look at 10 films, five of them being yours and say, oh, these are the five that were yeah. done by them. Like, is there some com common something between them? And then putting words to that and being able to figure that out. Because if you can do that, you can, I mean, you can work not with any editor, but like any good editor really just needs guidance originally on, on what your, like, what is your film? What's the characteristics of that? What are the trademarks of it? So, Can I ask a more of a funny stylistic question, Jason? So <laughs> if you were to break down modern wedding films into, like, genres, types of wedding films, like, how would you describe, like, the, the five wedding films you're actually making? <laughs> yeah, it is interesting because there's obviously similarities. Um, <clears throat> you know, we... It's amazing how many cultures there are in the world, 
but how wedding films are relatively similarly structured because weddings are relatively similar across the world. We have such unique cultures and even within countries and then every wedding film turns out to be relatively similar. Um, so yeah, in some ways it's, it's difficult, in some ways it's, it's easy, but I would say, you know, there's this upbeat, fun, poppy sort of wedding film that doesn't take itself too seriously and shows all these candid and fun moments that the couple has. And that's a increasing genre, I think. Uh, previously, even a couple of years ago, everyone thought wedding films had to be quite serious and melatonin and like, um, you know, emotional. But now they've sort of changed to this more fun, upbeat uh, version of the day, which, um, which is great to see. Um, a lot of people have that style now. Uh, then there's the sort of more slow and romantic and cinematic style that everyone's familiar with. And we all know, you know, most of us know how to do that type of work. Uh, and then you see these other types of uh, wedding films evolving where they're sort of like more artistic and, um, and odd. And it's hard to describe why you do like them or maybe why you don't like them. Um, so there's, there's unique supplies in the industry that are achieving work like that as well, which is... Yeah, very cool to see coming out of the industry. I, I you, call them, I say there's the there's fun, candid ones, there's schmaltzy, romantic ones, and then there's ones with lots of post-zooms. <laughs> yeah, a lot of effects. <laughs> um, do you think, so, you know, you mentioned, obviously, that weddings happen around the world, um, but you guys, obviously, at No Backlog, are uniquely you know, seated to really speak to similarities of weddings across the world. Cause I know you're editing probably not for just us based people or whatever, but I find it interesting, not surprising, but interesting that you really do see a lot of the same, you know, requests or finished products. And, you know, obviously styles vary somewhat, but they're all kind of within this same sphere or box, just like a random question. I'd, I'd love to hear your guys thoughts on it, but I mean, do you think that is to blame with, you know, basically social media, YouTube, like the access that we have to, like obviously weddings are very different. Traditions are very different across different cultures, but with the the films remaining, having some similarities is that, you know, because there are, you think the top, you know, top wedding filmmakers putting their work out that everybody watches and wants to do something like that. And we just have such a like intertwined and connected community where everybody can see and it just kind of forms this like overall sphere of what a wedding film needs to fit within yeah like why is this like why, why did we end why up are here? they the same yeah, yeah why are they i i probably think that the modern wedding film the genesis of the modern wedding film happened at the same time as the genesis of social media and youtube yeah like it's a totally new style of art Really, like, and people go, oh, wedding, people are making wedding films for 30 years. No, not really. Anyone who made a wedding film, if you tried to make a wedding film like you did 30 years ago, unlike photography, which has some similarities. Photography right? goes in ebbs and flows. I mean, that goes in, that comes back around. Well, yeah, ultimately, like, extent, you're doing, you're doing some candid photos and you're doing some portraits. And, like, yeah. they're still doing that. <laughs> you know? Tried and true. Yeah, like, wedding films, I think happened at the same time yeah it's all this other stuff and they're inextricably linked and it was it's interesting because it's a communally created genre of art across all cultures yeah it's like one of the first times where we all oh dslrs are a thing oh they do video oh we're now we can watch everyone's work 
at the same time. It's not like it's like, oh, there's this guy who's huge in Japan and this guy who's huge yeah. in the States. It's like, no, we're all on the internet. We're all and wedding so, filmmakers. It's all there. It's all in front of one, everybody. And so and everybody also didn't know how to use the cameras. So we're all going to the same places to get educated, which is of course YouTube. So I, I think it's interesting. It's like it's like the art that YouTube made. Yeah. Well, and it, it's been progressive too in that like you look at the length of a wedding film. Obviously, thirty years ago it was very long. Uh, like highlight films, I don't think were really a thing. And then you know, like I started fifteen-ish years ago, and I was doing longer highlight films, like twelve to fifteen minutes. Now the longest thing I do is eight minutes, but a lot of what I do is three and a half minutes and we're doing a lot of one minute or 45 second teasers. And a lot of that has to do with different platforms. We're just corporate schlubs or yeah. It's, I mean, it's very <laughs> much in line with what's available to promote on, right? Like yep. five, it's, 10 years ago, Instagram, you could upload a 10 minute film or whatever. How can I, don't I know. get in and front now of it's clients, like a one right? minute reel, a 15 second TikTok. Like mm -hmm. as a person who I think you, you achieved success as a wedding filmmaker. You, you achieved success in a range of businesses um, outside of wedding filmmaking. So let's just think about filmmakers out there. What would your advice be for the wedding filmmakers that are looking to diversify their own business outside of just shooting and editing their own weddings? And it's not just like, why should they outsource? But like, why should they be considering like, hey, I need to look outside of my normal way of doing things and make sure I'm getting other streams of income? Mm. Look, between you know, 45 and 65, you've got to earn one to $2 million to retire. And so what is your plan to earn that money? <laughs> you got to hustle now or you got to like continue working beyond 45 up until you're 65 or whatever, right? Unless you make a whole bunch of money in crypto or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's really important that you're making, uh, you're, you're thinking about these things now um, and you're choosing, you know, what do I want to be doing when I'm 35, 45, 55? Uh, and it's okay to exit the industry. You know, if you've got something else that you're passionate about and you've always sort of sat on it, if you want to go back and do some study and change profession and become a real estate agent, you know, whatever. Um, but I think it's really healthy to have those things in mind, just ticking along in the back of your mind now, rather than just saying, oh, everything, life's good, everything's fine, um, I'll, I'll be fine. Well, you know, industries have a habit of changing quite quickly on, on businesses. And we've seen a lot of innovation in our industry where People coming out and filming with the big old shoulder cameras, you know, if they did not adapt to what how we're shooting weddings now, they're probably not shooting weddings anymore. So, but they still come hustling. into our Facebook groups from time to time. Yeah, they still, oh, they'll, bully still, new they'll still comment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it's about hustling. It's about having a plan. Uh, it's about being willing to innovate and change, and you know, recognize that you might not be doing this forever, and that's fine. But what is the plan afterwards? Yeah. Um, and it's okay to have a passion and start working on it now, um, or just really hustle and choose to go all in on this industry and get additional teams and add, you know, shooters and editors and whatever, and grow your business and make the most of what you what you know now and what you've built and the brand that you have and uh, develop some wealth in your life now so you can enjoy it later. I think it really comes down to what is my net income 
And the problem I see with people is they don't know what their cost is. So they, they're just like, oh, I made a hundred. This is. <sighs> I hate like threads or, you know, people educating or whatever. Yeah, I know. We're make a hundred K. Yeah, oh, I made a hundred K. It's like, dude, you, you received a hundred K and you yeah, spent yeah. 60 grand. Yeah, like, like or or you should have spent at least 30 grand. Like, yeah, like, be, like yeah. you should not be running a business that doesn't cost you anything. Like that is a short term thing, unless you're going to scam a bunch of people or get <laughs> that. That's what like you hear all those wedding filmmakers, the copper stallion medias of the world. They're like, yeah, it's all profit because I don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, edit. Most or even of us show up. Yeah. Most of us, there actually is cost, even if it doesn't seem like there's cost It's opportunity cost. Like you could be doing something else with your time. You could be building. Most of us, if we're smart though, and I love this is in wedding filmmaking, if you can get a handle on your cost and get your price to the point where you have enough cushion to actually endure the cost, you can actually start building a nest egg. You can start investing in another business. You Heck, you could have bought a bunch of crypto like three years ago. <laughs> but like, if you have money that's there to launch whatever the next thing in your life is, if you have an eye on that or you're building contacts for the next thing, like just having tunnel vision and not diversifying is the full, most foolish business decision you will ever make. And wedding filmmaking um, chews you up and spits you out at some point. And, if, and I, I'm not saying that to keep you from getting on. I want you to become a wedding filmmaker. If you're listening to this and you're like, I don't want to be, no. Just know it is a career, like your knees could go out any season and you can't shoot weddings anymore. That could happen to you. Like, you yeah. could just suddenly be like, oh, <laughs> dope, I'm an awesome, cool guy. And everyone's like, you're old. I don't yeah. want to work with you. <laughs> like, I, think those... about, I think about all those things a lot. Yeah, they <laughs> like, they can happen. Yeah. So I, I guess my point is, like, you can go the direction of Jared and I. We have a big studio, you know, and we're working on this channel. We're trying to get into education. Um, I do, of course, have crypto. Uh, <laughs> we have our 401k plan. Like, our business is feeding our future. Or yeah. you can go the direction of, like, Jason, who I, you know, maybe you knew you were going to get out of weddings by doing this. Maybe you, did you know when you were like, oh, yeah. No, uh, so <clears throat> I, I had studied um, management and marketing at uni. And then after uni, I loved the fact that I didn't go and get a nine to five job, right? I traveled, I shot weddings, and I did that for years and years and years. So most of my friends were going off and doing masters or like becoming architects or accountants or whatever. I shot weddings, earned bank, had a great time and traveled a lot. And then at some point, you know, a couple, maybe four years after uni, I recognized, I got these two degrees. If I want to use them, I should use them now. And I actually didn't really recognize at the time that I was using them in my business. Um, so I went and got a nine to five job. I was the marketing manager at a, a, at a business that was you know, $10 million turnover. Um, and I learned so much from watching those entrepreneurs operate and grow it from a 10 to $20 million business in the five years that I was there. Uh, and it was just incredible to be part of something bigger than myself. And at the end of those five years, uh, the opportunity with no backlog came up. And I'd been shooting weddings the entire time for those five years. So I recognized that I loved weddings, loved creative stuff, loved shooting weddings still, and you know, had a, a passion for helping others in our industry realize that there's light on the other, in, on the other side of the tunnel. 
you can still, you know, you can get help with your business and the backlog does that. And I got an email this morning with a customer saying, you know, thanks, we're now back on track and we're not scared of the next season coming up, we're gonna be fine. Yeah. And it's because they recognized that they needed some help and, and got some help. So you were never thinking, I'm gonna not shoot weddings anymore when you got involved in No Backlog or was that always the plan? No, I still want to shoot. I still do shoot. I just bought uh, two uh, sixes and it's the cool weird, twenty eight. Just it's so hard to let go of, right? <laughs> it's hard to let go but, of. But I, I that diversity. Yeah. I mean, that can help you in like in maintaining a love for weddings in a lot of ways. Like that's what I think. Being able to be more selective, being able to not feel undervalued because you're you're charging, you're just throwing out the number that you feel is worth it, and you're. You know, you're only booking weddings that will mm -hmm. book you at that price, stuff like that. Like having that other income stream or, or place where you're dumping your time into or whatever can be good for that in a lot of ways too. I just think anytime you're in control of what you do, even if it's not the most profitable thing ever, if it's funny money, who knows? Like however it's set up, when you have the ability to choose something, it will give you joy. Yeah. When you have to do something, it will take your joy away. And I think that's what we're really talking about on this show. It's like, I mean, me personally, I mean, I want you to outsource because, you know, we have a relationship with no backlog. But in reality, I don't really care, I guess. Outsource, don't outsource, whatever. Do what makes you happy with your business. But I do want you to not be a prisoner of your own business. Definitely. And, and I think that's what we talk about a lot on the show and on the channel is like, hey, Whatever you're doing, do it because you're choosing to do it because it's making you tons of money. Don't be doing it because you have to do it. And and like this is not a now conversation, by the way. This might we're kind of coming across like, oh, save your money. And like some people are like, I'm not making any money. So like listen, I get it. This is not a problem many of you are experiencing. Many of you don't have the money to outsource. You shouldn't be outsourcing yet. Many of you don't have these businesses that it could fund your 401k or buy a bunch of crypto or whatever you want to be doing. You're not profitable yet. That will come. Stick with it if you're good. So even if you're hearing this today and you're like, well, I don't know. This doesn't sound that relevant to me. Thinking about your future is relevant to you. That's what I'll say. So Jason. If you're shooting, if yeah, you're no, shooting 20 weddings at three grand or 40 at two grand, you need to be making profit in that business. Mm -hmm. Like that is a profitable business. Something's going wrong if you're not making, you know, some profit there. So you just got to stick with it and continually raise those prices and continually improve your work and your customer experience and your edit, everything. And you'll, you'll definitely get there. There's plenty of opportunity and money flowing through this industry, especially now versus where it was five years ago versus where it was 10 years ago. It's a great time to be a wedding filmmaker. I think in five years, you'll have about 30% industry growth. I really do. I think I you're going to have about 30%. in one 30%. year from now to 2022, we're going to have like 30% growth. <laughs> well, maybe financially, but I, I'm like, I think percentages of weddings that will be booking wedding films is going to be 30%. So I think the like annual market is going to be much bigger. And that means every segment of the market will be bigger. So I, I think there's a lot of opportunity. It's a great industry. If you're getting involved now, it's an awesome industry. So, so Jason, why don't you kind of give us, give us the pitch. Tell us about No Backlog. How can, we go how can people find it? And tell them a little bit about the 10% off offer. Yeah, so visit nobacklog.com. Um, have a look around our website. 
we uh, have been doing this a long time. We've been working with uh, customers from all across the world for a long time. It's a very close collaborative relationship. Um, we need to understand you and your business. Uh, and so we've built a software platform called Nexus. Uh, you can create very an futury. account there right now. Sorry? Very futury. Yeah. Nexus. It is the future of wedding filmmaking. <laughs> it's called Nexus. It is a post-production workflow between your studio and our studio. And so everything that happens, all the little bits of communication, everything that we need to do a great job for your edits uh, is within that system. So you can sign up now. Obviously, the system is free. Take a look around and uh, learn more about what we do. Uh, Software is absolutely vital for that collaboration. If you're sending emails and jumping on Facebook chat to try and edit a wedding film with an outsourcing company, you are going to have a hard time. Uh, there's a lot of data and information and um, you know communication that occurs through a single project, let alone 30 or 40 projects. So it's really important that there's a a strong software system to make that collaboration easier because if there isn't, you will spend more time communicating your needs uh, and going through revisions in a really messy way than actually just editing the work yourself. So uh, jump on, have a look at the Nexus system and um, yeah, you can jump on a, a phone call with me anytime, uh, chat with our team and um, yeah, just learn more about what we do. Tell them about the Wedding Film School offer. So jump on to Nexus, uh, book your first project and add the discount code WEDDINGFILMSCHOOL10, so WFS10. You get an immediate 10% uh, discount on your first project. But we've got other reward programs as well. So you can, on our pricing that we display, there's up to 20% discounts available. 5% uh, by booking in advance and up to 15% for uh, a rewards program as well. So it's very easy to you know, start earning discounts on our pricing. Yeah. It's great. And, and we, you know, we wouldn't be, again, we hopefully you got something out of this podcast besides, you know, we're not trying to run a, a commercial on the podcast. Um, so we wouldn't be talking to someone who didn't, we didn't think offered more value than just being connected to a brand or a company. Um, Cause I think what you're doing over there, you know, what you have done personally as a wedding filmmaker, I think is aspirational. I think it's something that people should be seeking to do. Maybe it's not running their own editing studio, but just having something else or having like, you know, if your knees go out tomorrow, you still have a job. And I think that's really cool. And I think, of course, the product is good too. We stand by the product at Wedding Film School. And when we look at No Backlog, we stand by it. They're friends of the channel, more than friends of the channel, and they're people that we, we we stand by their work. So I would encourage you, go check it out. If you are a wedding filmmaker, I think it would make it. And you guys have added photo now, right? Yeah, so we've added um, photo primarily because a lot of filmmakers uh, are doing a bit of photo mm -hmm. or a lot of photographers are starting to do video. Yep. And when they find out about No Backlog and our video services, they're already maybe outsourcing their photo editing. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. Photographers have been outsourcing their editing a lot longer oh, yeah. and in a lot larger quantities than videographers have been doing. For eternity. Um, for yep. eternity. Like, yeah. I, I don't know a single really big photographer that edits their own photos. Like, that's just how it is. Anyway, yeah. I mean, and it, there's differences. There's a lot of differences. So I know it's not apples to apples, yeah. but, but it is interesting. They're just w way more willing to do that. But anyway. 
in a lot of in a lot of ways, it is a simpler edit, um, and that's why we've had to build a system like Nexus to handle the degree of complexity that we as filmmakers that shoot weddings expect uh, from our, our edits. You know that we expect so much in terms of story, quality, technical things. You know whatever's important to the couple. We have a unique client and client each time, and so our systems have adapted a lot over the last six years to draw that information from you and put it in an edit that you're going to be surprised at how good it is and how much it matches your style and that the customer is going to love, especially if you spend an extra half an hour just jumping in and tweaking it a little bit as well. Well, Jason, thank you so much for being on the Wedding Film School show. We're going to have you back on at some point, just talking shop and all this stuff. Um, thanks a lot for coming on. Oh, good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate being here. Yeah. Um, if you have not subscribed to the channel and you made it this far, that's weird because you've watched like an hour-long video and you haven't <laughs> subscribed. So my, my question to you is, why not? Just go ahead. You've already sat with us. Go ahead and subscribe. If you like this content, you're going to like the rest of the stuff we do, like our weekly live stream where we do live film critiques and all that junk, and it's really great. We have a great Facebook group like we always mention. Go ahead and look in the descriptions. Click down there. We have a lot of stuff you can buy down in the description that really help out the channel, one of them being, of course, No Backlog, where there's a lot of other stuff down there as well. Um, but thank you so much for being supportive, and we'll see you next time on the Wedding Film School Show.